Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the designer developer behind the excellent iOS and macOS dictionary app Lookup, Vidit Pargov. Welcome to the show, Vidit. Thanks for having me. So uh, I like to kick things off with an icebreaker question from the audience. And today's is from Jonathan Ruiz. And he asks, what's a movie you can watch over and over again and never get tired of it? And I picked this one because I, ha- I know you're kind of a movie buff. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably going to be some sort of a Hindi movie, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's the most number of movies that I usually watch. Uh, I do watch some English movies, but yeah, one of my favorite movies is called Ninety Nine. It's it's about cricket and it's a crime comedy, and uh, it's really really fun to watch. I can watch it all the time. Out of curiosity, would that be one that would be like, would a Western audience get it? Would they enjoy it? You know, with subtitles or whatever. If you know about cricket. Uh, I actually do know a little bit. Uh, I've had a couple friends who were way into cricket, and so I got into it for a short time. It's it's more of a crime comedy, so I suppose if you have a little bit of uh, knowledge about cricket, you will enjoy it. Let me pick something that's that you might enjoy as well, uh, regardless of your, you know, something that's more suitable to the international audience. Yeah, I I just watched Parasite like last weekend, and. It's given me, similar to what Roma did last year, and then I never actually followed up, it gave me this like, oh yeah, there's like an amazing amount of uh, films that are really, really good that aren't in English that I definitely can get into. Um, and so after watching Parasite, I'm definitely like more in that mode where I'm kind of like, I should I should like branch out and find some other movies that aren't native English movies. That's something that I'm also looking forward to. I'm looking forward to watching Parasite this week. And it's releasing in India, so that's that's really, really nice to see. Yeah, that's one of the nice things. As much as people give grief to uh, all the like Oscars and award shows, it is nice when they can yeah. elevate a movie that, you know, maybe wouldn't have otherwise gotten elevated to the audience that it, it ends up getting. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, so I would I'd definitely pick this one as something that almost everyone would love to watch. It's called Andadun. It's a crime thriller again. It's more of a mystery movie. And it's, it's something that I think relates to a much larger audience than probably uh, like a cricket-loving movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's called what? Andadun. I'll just share the link. Okay, yeah. I'll, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay, so if you have any questions that you'd like me to ask a guest on the show, you can tweet me at launchfm with the hashtag icebreaker, and I'll scoop those up, and uh, I might ask a future guest your question on the show. So before we get into your app lookup, um, I kind of want to give everybody a primer of who you are. So the three questions I ask everybody is, where are you from? Uh, Do you have any formal education related to the work that you do? And what was your career, uh, if you had one, pre-lookup? So I'm from New Delhi, uh, that's in India, and my formal education is actually in manufacturing processes and automation engineering. It's not really related to computer science, but that's a completely different story altogether. <laughs> uh, I have always been curious about computers uh, and and design in general since my high school days, and and that's that's something that I've uh, always wanted to pursue as a as a career opportunity. And so that's how I started uh, working on 
iOS apps itself. I just love macOS and iOS. And when the when the SDK first came out in 2008, I was always curious about uh, how can I build apps for it. And that's that's exactly how I started. I don't really have have a career before this. Uh, I started like designing apps in high school, and I've been doing that since ever since then. And probably like Lookup is probably one of my first few design projects itself. So it's almost that old. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like in my research for this, uh, I found a whole bunch of your other apps. Yeah, which I wasn't familiar with before, and I was like, oh, I wonder if these came before or after Lookup, and like the history in the App Store. Uh, doesn't even go back all the way. So I I didn't realize how old Lookup was. So yeah, Lookup came out in 2014. And I had designed a couple of apps before that, but they were more like small trivia games and uh, not exactly full-fledged applications per se. They were slightly on a, on a much smaller scale than that. <laughs> and then most recently, I worked on Vectorpad. It's a productivity app that lets you convert your images into scalable vector graphics or even 3d objects yeah i saw that so you can just throw a like raster image uh like a jpeg or whatever into the app yeah like in the sidebar it looked like you could just yeah on the ipad and you could just throw one in there and it would spit out a vector graphic yeah so you can the idea is that you draw something on procreate and you want to have a vector graphic for that uh, you just drag and drop your Procreate file, and you'll get a vector graphic in, in return, and then you can share it with share it in multiple formats. And so, all of these are under an, a company called Squircle Apps. Yes. And I saw you said you're a co-founder on there, but I didn't really get yeah the gist of like who else is involved, or if that's like a an agency or something that you started up. What's what's the deal with Squircle? Okay, so Squircle Apps is something I've. Like, so I've not always been developing apps in the name of Squircle Apps. I've been uh, developing it in as a independent developer, as an individual account. But quite recently, uh, once I graduated in col- from college, I decided let's like formalize this thing and form a company and uh, like set up set up a proper name that that I can give to the collection of apps that I'm building. So that's Squircle Apps. And I, I say I'm a co-founder because I started it with my brother. He, he's my elder brother. And uh, I started off as a designer and while like he would program the applications. Okay. Yeah, he's not actively working on the apps right now, but he's always been like a source of help and source of advice for the apps uh, like throughout, like most recently, he helped me build the uh, collections feature of Lookup last year. And like he was he was here on a vacation and I was like, can you help me like program this stuff? And uh, so he helped me out with that. But yeah, we started out, out as a team of developer and designer. He would like program, I would design something and send it over to him and then he'd program that and uh, like ship a build. That is one of the one of the questions I did have was uh, whether you consider yourself a designer who also develops or a developer who also designs. But it kind of sounds like maybe you started out more in the design world. Yeah, is that accurate. Yeah. So what was that process moving kind of into the more uh, software engineering aspects of things? So I've always been interested about 
like uh, developing apps and everything but i really didn't uh, pursue it as seriously as i would uh, until like my brother went to grad school and i had to run look up all by myself and <laughs> you forced and, into it yeah i was kind of uh, so i had to learn if i had to continue to build look up because uh, like otherwise it would be very very difficult to like keep updating the app so yeah sometime around in 2015 i started learning the programming aspects and i've always been interested about how to like bring uh, the like how to bring the interfaces and different interactions to life through code that's like you can always see something on dribble and you think like it's a very very great interaction but then you think how to program that and and that's where the challenge really comes and once you've once you've accomplished that that's when you actually get a like a real product instead of a let's say a design concept or or something like oh this is just a cool video of an interaction but once you can actually do that so that's always been fascinating to me and and learning programming was just one step to uh like building that stuff so one other thing that you did that wasn't wasn't necessarily an app um but kind of i think is relevant to look up later on is you had like a an internet magazine that you you ran or published yes yeah yeah so that started off in school uh, when i was let's say in seventh grade and and uh, so the idea behind that was i was always preparing for these trivia events at school we had these competitions where where you would go to different schools and they'd be trivia events organized ah and you like compete with other teams and they're always about technology news and technology uh like trivia let's say if you're in a junior school uh like primary school you you'd, you'd get questions like who was the founder of apple incorporated or you know once you go to slightly higher uh, grades you'd get different questions so so the idea behind that like internet magazine was uh, to create a like a monthly catalog of all the news that's come up so that like other students can also read about it and can also like learn from it and improve their like technology knowledge so that once they you know come to different events they're all like well prepared for the quizzes and stuff and that was just distributed through like a website yeah i mean like people should definitely check this out in the show notes they're they're really like well designed do you, I, i'm assuming you use some sort of like quark or uh, indesign or something Yeah, I started out with like MS Word itself. Uh, like the most like the first first couple of versions were like MS Word and a lot of them were like Wikipedia articles. I wasn't even writing stuff myself, but then I eventually started using InDesign and started writing my own articles and stuff. And then I I guess the the quiz thing kind of uh eventually loops back into Lookup, which I guess we should go ahead and start talking about. So, Lookup is a dictionary app uh, on the surface, right? Pretty much. Yeah. But then it seems to be a lot deeper than that. And especially for people who English isn't their native language, it seems to have like really, really resonated with a lot of people. So yeah, I'm curious how how the project started and then what kind of the, the pitch is for it. Okay. So 
when i was in high school so i was reading a lot of books and i still read a, read a lot of books uh, but yeah in high school i was already already reading them for my exams and i was reading them like just for fun as as well so i was a avid dictionary app user for my like on the 8gb ipod touch that i had and you know i would always you know have these apps called like like the dictionary.com app or like the merriam webster app and they were all like they had the good definitions and stuff but they were all pretty heavy they were about 200 mb in size and for an 8gb ipod that's about too much and i would always end up using google or something for uh, getting the definitions and uh, looking at the images of something that i was uh, unfamiliar with and so this idea struck me that what if we had this app which was really really simple to use no ads no uh, like no sign in no location <laughs> permissions nothing just just search for the word and you'll get the definition a really really simple experience and something that used a lot less space than let's say 200 mb on your on your like small device and uh, that's where the idea for lookup came from and uh, so i designed it around that time when i was in high school i designed the idea behind that and like you'd get the search bar and, and there'd be a, like a filler page with the word of the day and you know you can just search for the word and get its definition we spent about about a year or so like developing it part time and uh, like then my brother he actually eventually quit his job and we were all like me and my brother were working on it full time for about 6 months with no previous funding and no previous experience in uh doing productivity software we were all just like with the idea that okay this is something that i am using and i'm sure like there'd be more people who would want to use a simple dictionary app we just went with it and you know developed the app and we launched it in like may 2014 that's when we first launched it man yeah that is a lot older than i was originally thinking yeah now whenever you launched it did it like get any sort of attention at that time or did you do any sort of marketing or was it sort of just yeah. throw it out there and if other people use it cool but you're going to use it yourself so we weren't really expecting some sort of uh, promotion or marketing we were just putting it out there like hoping that it will get some attention and we'll we'll reach out to different blogs and stuff uh, and get the we try to get our own marketing out uh, but what actually happened is that the time we were about to release uh, like it took in those days it took like 21 days to get an app approved yeah. and yeah we were waiting for the you know the approval and and we get an email that we'd like to feature your app on the app store and i first of all like checked if it's not a scam or something <laughs> and the email seemed legitimate and uh, and it was actually from somebody at you know from the app store team and really uh like excited to see it on the like as the best new app on the first week that we launched so yeah that's that's how we actually um, like that's how we actually launched like the first version came out and it was there in the uh, best new app section and we didn't really feel the need to market it back then and we were we were definitely trying to contact different blogs but uh, the promotion itself is quite a big 
promotion in, in itself. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that I'm curious about is the word of the day. And it sounds like that was there from the beginning. Yeah. That, how are you, how are you doing that? Is that like you have a whole bunch of them pre uh, programmed into the app based on, you know, whatever the day is, or is there some sort of service and you're updating those behind the scenes? So when I actually started Lookup, it was pre-programmed and it was more like a simple text definition. Uh, but I eventually, eventually I discovered that, you know, learning visually is really, really important. This comes like preparing for my college exams back in the day, I would draw something on the you know, scribble something on the sides just to remember a word or just to remember something. Uh, let's say, like, remember some some piece of information that, that might be critical for the exam. I would scribble some drawing on the sides and I realized that that was a really good tool to learn something, like like a visual aid. You, you remember more efficiently once you associate it with some sort of an image or something. So that was the central idea behind Word of the Day. And once we started you know, doing these posters and stuff, we we actually used CloudKit to push them to the users. Okay. So yeah, like it's more like slightly like automated in the sense that I push it from here and, and the user gets the notification. Uh, but overall, yeah, I'm designing the word of the day in Sketch and then exporting the file and uploading it to CloudKit every day. And for anybody who's not familiar with the app, you should at the very least go look at the App Store like right now. These, It's not like you're just taking some stock image off of Google and throwing a, a word on there. You're like illustrating yeah. what to me would take me a very long time to make a lot of these. Uh, and you're doing that every day? Yeah. Man, that's impressive. Thank you. It's probably also... A massive uh, learning experience. It's like a daily uh, challenge or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, when I started off with the design process, it was much simpler illustrations, and and they were not as fancy as they are right now. But yeah, I've eventually. I hope I've improved in the in the at least in the design of the word of the days. So it's been around for. Well, the app's been around since 2014, but you didn't probably you didn't start doing the images right away. Do you, do you have any sort of estimate as to how many images you've made for this app? I think it's above. Uh, I think it's above thousand. Holy cow! <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's been around for about uh, three and a half years now. The the word of the day mechanism, where you know I'd put stuff on CloudKit and uh, it'll reach to the users. So yeah, I, th- I guess it's about like about a thousand different part of the day graphics right now. That's impressive. Um, and then this last summer, you you sort of added to your uh, things that you have to kind of keep up with, I guess, because you added a new quiz uh, mode into the app, right? Yeah. Now are those those are are those dynamic as well? They're actually based on your collections. So let's say you save a word in your collections uh, and you have like, let's say five different collections and they have all, they, they each of them have like 10 different words. So you can go to each of these collections and you know, say take a quiz and you'll be quizzed on the words inside that collection. So the idea is, le- is let's say you're like preparing for your 
English proficiency exams like say GRE and uh, you have a list of words that are like GRE words and you can just go to that collection and tap take quiz and it will take and it will take those words and uh, and generate a quiz automatically for you ah. and like each time you each time you like tap take quiz it generates a new quiz with different questions okay that makes sense so it's yeah. it's sort of like it's sort of like when you make your own like flashcards or something like that yeah it should be making them for you yeah that makes sense and I, I saw that was one that I saw people get really, really excited about. Uh, again, it seems to be yeah anybody who's like trying to learn English or maybe not learn English, but like English isn't their first language and they're just trying yeah. to increase their sort of internal dictionary. Uh, that seems to be a feature that's really resonating with people. Yeah, it's it's a cool way to, let's say, um, you're, you have a bunch of words and you save them for later. It's a cool way to like remember them and see if you if you really understood the definition. And speaking of uh, it resonating with people, one of the people that it's really resonating with is uh, the editor-in-chief of Mac Stories. And this year, uh, they for their big, you know, best apps of the year award thing, they awarded your update, the best app update of the year. So that was Lookup 6, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a really, really big surprise for me. Uh, I was at a different event and and I started getting all these notifications that were like <laughs> congratulations and stuff and and one of my friends was messaging me and and I looked at Twitter and I realized okay so this is uh, so I actually got the best app update of the uh, uh, of the year and I I was really expecting it but yeah it's always good to see like whenever Mac stories like features us in something. It's really, really like nice to see that like probably doing something right with the app that people are liking it. Right, because you also added a whole bunch of the iOS 13 features, right? You have like yeah. pretty extensive shortcut support, um, not to mention yeah. the Mac update, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah. And then they also, uh, they also made an actual physical trophy this year. Have you gotten yours? Yes. Uh, I did get mine. And I was expecting it to be delivered much quicker but uh it got stuck in one of the oh no the courier services thing and they and it took a while to like deliver it but yeah it's all safe and sound over here <laughs> that's it's that's so cool that they're doing that and uh yeah that must be a nice little thing to have sitting in your office oh yeah so uh speaking of the the mac version so this year Apple created a whole new set of APIs. And I'm not going to get too technical on this show, but um, they created a way for you to more easily port an iPad app over onto the Mac. And yes, there was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of drama surrounding this in lots of different arenas, oh, yeah. both from users and from developers. But the one sort of universal thing that I saw out of it was there's two apps that were like examples of how this new technology could be make for really really good mac apps one was apple's podcast app and a lot of people seem to give a lot of praise to that but the third party example was lookup your uh mac new mac version of the lookup app yeah it's it's always good to hear like people uh like saying good things about the mac app because i wasn't really sure going into it that it'll how it'll turn out to be because like it's a really, really new API, and there's a lot that's you know 
that's still to come in the API. And so, yeah, that's also been a, good, a pleasant surprise for me that people are actually liking the Mac app. So what do you think it is that you did different than a lot of people that kind of made that the case? Um, again, not not so much on the technical side, but on the sort of how how did you approach making this app that you think made it to where people kind of accepted it as a Mac app and not just an iPhone app kind of sitting on their their Mac? Yeah, so I started designing it as a Mac app, not not a, as an iPad app that's coming to the Mac, but as a Mac app. How would Lookup behave on the Mac and what would the interface be like? And the basic difference that I understood between what, what a Mac app is and what an iPad app is right now is that so the iPad is really all about direct manipulation and you know tapping through things and gestures and interactions. And on the Mac, it's a slightly indirect manipulation in the sense that you're using a trackpad or a mouse to control it. And there's a lot less motion inside that. And so that was my like first starting point with that. The Mac app really has to be different from what the iPad interface is. We can't really have the tab bar approach because let's face it, like users like tapping on the iPad, but if you're putting that on the Mac itself, users aren't really interested in, you know, going click, 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 uh, and like having to, you know, click through 10 different uh, links to reach to the content that they want to reach to. So that that was the idea behind, you know, going through this entire redesign way, where on the iPad, you have this tab bar approach and you, you know, tap on collections, and then you tap on the collection that you want to, and then you go, go to the definition of the word. And instead on the Mac, it's it's like a sidebar approach. It's similar to like how you'd use the mail app or how you'd use the Finder app. You know, you tap on, you click on something, and and it and it opens up a you know sidebar which showing the definition right there in front of you, and you can just control it with the keyboard shortcuts and you know move around with the app. So yeah, that that was the like fundamental uh, difference that I approached it with. It was not like uh, the idea from the starting was that this has to be a different interface. So this has to be a different storyboard in Xcode. It has to be a different um, like sure there are some elements that are similar to what the iPad app is, but it's more like the same code but a different interface instead of you know when you think of iPad app coming to the coming to the Mac. It's a lot of people assume that it's the same interface that's going to come to the Mac. Uh, but yeah, my idea was different in the sense that I was thinking a, a Mac interface, but built on the iPad code. So that that was my idea behind like look up for Mac. What I find like really striking about how you describe that, and you you wrote up a blog post kind of going into pretty good detail that I'll link that anybody who's interested in this should definitely read. But like unlike most of the conversation around this you weren't comparing a tab bar to a mac menu bar to you know a sidebar or whatever you were kind of more at the core of what makes using a mouse and keyboard with a big screen different than a slab of gra- glass that you touch yeah and you were kind of getting into things like you know people like like whenever you touch something for it to interact based on your touch but that's not really the case with indirect manipulation with a mouse 
And yeah, those were things that I've never, I haven't heard other people talking about as much. It's more about like, you should utilize the screen real estate and, you know, it needs to use a menu bar or use these specific Mac controls. Um, yeah, but I, I don't feel like the lookup Mac app is feels like a Mac app because it's using all those controls because like the Mac apps I have sitting right in front of me are Apple notes and audio hijack. And neither one of those necessarily feel like quote a Mac app in that same way. Yeah. But it's, it's like the philosophy behind it. And I don't know. I I found that really striking and kind of refreshing. Thank you. Uh, Glad you you like the idea behind it. Had you done Mac development before? No, absolutely not. So even like I had this idea for a Mac app for a long time, but uh, once, you know, there were these rumors about, you know, there's going to be this system where you can port your iOS app to Mac. And so that was it. You know, I dropped all the intention of learning AppKit and I was like, yeah, UIKit for Mac is definitely something that I would love to use because I have no prior experience to developing a Mac app. Now you have played a little bit in the Mac world uh, since then. Yeah. You came out with like a, an icon pack. Uh, is that Bondi? Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Yeah. It's from the, from the iMac, uh, the, the iMac color. Oh yeah. I don't know why, how I didn't put that together until now. It's from the, so it relates to the Aqua design theme. So that's why it's called Bondi. So the Aqua design theme came around just about that time and, and that's the whole idea behind it. So there's this really, really interesting, like icon design talk from back in the day when the Aqua design theme was announced and they had these ideas about, this is what an icon should look like. It should be at this angle and it should have these two elements. So that's the that's the whole idea behind the icon pack. Yeah, because the old, like back in the day, Mac icons had a very distinct look. Yeah. And, you know, we've sort of moved away from that, uh, both in the fact that most of the apps we're using are part of some sort of collection. You know, they're either like an Adobe product, which is kind of what really inspired uh, your collection, right? Yeah. Yeah. But also like Microsoft products or some sort of collection. And they understandably have like sort of this unified look, or at least I understand why they do it anyway. Um, Yeah. But yours started out as you were just kind of playing around with the idea of making was it Photoshop? Yeah, it's the the entire like the creative suit uh, with Photoshop, Illustrator, and uh, Adobe InDesign. So, yeah, the apps that I most often use, and I see these you know iOS like icons on my uh, dock with the Adobe apps. Yeah. And is that, are you selling that or is that free? I can't remember. It's free. It's free. I'm not really selling that icon pack right now because, yeah, I don't really know how the dynamics of, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a web-based purchase system work. Maybe if Apple has this, you know, app store icon pack thing, I could probably try to sell that on over there. But this is just a simple, like you can just download and play around with it. Nice. So, yeah, I'll have a link in the show notes if anybody wants to check those out. They're definitely worth looking at. So the last question I like to ask everybody um, is yeah. what's like a person or team out there that's inspired you and in your work that you'd recommend other people follow? So uh, I have actually like two people in mind over here. The first one is James Thompson. He was there on your show a few weeks ago. Yeah. And and he's always been a source of inspiration for me. The fact that, you know, 
an indie developer can be developing apps for more than 25 years and you know making a living out of it has always uh, inspired me and given me confidence that i can do this for uh, for a longer time uh, and he's always been really really helpful i remember the first time i attended the conference i didn't really know anybody and uh, james thompson was like somebody who just tweeted out that i'm sitting in the lobby and if somebody would like to catch up and you know talk to me i'd love to and i approached him and he was really really helpful and this was this wwdc yeah oh man it's, it's i think it's the 2016 w okay yeah that's you you haven't heard the episode that is about to drop but that seems to be another running theme in these is that wwdc is a really good place to uh, to run into and meet a bunch of inspirational people and maybe create some business partnerships. Yeah, like I've met a lot of people at the conference and and even the conference surrounding it. So I met uh, I met Heidi at Layers and really inspired by her work and and the apps she she's making right now. Really, really good design. And I met her like uh, I think close to three years ago at the Layers conference. And yeah, it's, it's that sort of a thing where you won't be able to network if you aren't there. Right. And that's, yeah, so that's one of the most exciting bit, uh, exciting parts about the conference. Even if you aren't attending it, if you're in the area, you can just meet a lot of developers and they're all really helpful. I'm curious. I, I asked this in, again, the last episode that you haven't heard yet, but as someone who's been, do you have any advice for people if they're going to conferences on how to how to sort of make sure you're talking to people and networking? Because I can imagine me, the conferences I've been to in the past, uh, I'm definitely the type of person who just kind of goes to th- goes to the uh, sessions and then maybe kind of ducks out at some point. Yeah. What I realized, like, like attending the first conference itself, is that if you're like, you can attend the sessions and they're really, really helpful. But you can also attend them afterwards. You can watch the video afterwards and you'd probably be, you know, you'd probably get the same thing. But what these conferences are really about is like going to the labs, meeting new people. I actually met a really, really great designer uh, like in one of the labs. And we were sitting like outside the typography lab and and he was like waiting for his turn and we, we decided chatting about uh, different design themes. And that was a more meaningful interaction for me than let's say attending like 20 different sessions in the conference, because you can always go back and like watch it in the WWAP app. Like the best thing is to just like go to the labs, talk to people and go to the different events uh are not not exactly you know dub dub itself but you know the other events that are happening around the area and you get to meet a lot of people so that's that's how i've discovered this year i like went to the conference and i think i have only attended like a couple of sessions uh through the entire conference all i did was like hang around in the labs area and like go to layers and like talk to people over there that's good to know. I, I'm glad I've been hearing this from so many people because, uh, like, I'm trying to go this year, and I know that yeah. I would have approached it differently had I not been hearing this from basically everybody. So, um, yeah, that's 
that is all making me very excited to go and uh, hopefully get to meet a bunch of people that I've never really gotten to meet in person before too. Yeah. It's really, really good to actually go to the conference and like, like meet new people. And like I was saying to the other person, like there have been two people who've really, really inspired me. And like the first person, like James Thompson, I first met him at the conference and, and then I learned about his app and, and it was really, really inspiring to see how, how he, like he's been doing all this work for the last 25 years and making a living out of it and you know that's something that's been really inspirational but i also met like another person at the conference itself who's actually been more of a like a role model for me in terms of like interaction design and how the app should be and the other guy is like mark cavano he actually built this app a few years ago, it's called Storehouse. It's a visual note-taking app, and the interactions in those in that app, like the fluidity of the interface, and you know, like just creating content on the iPad itself, the the level of like polish that app had was like something that really inspired me to get into UI design and you know, explore this field much more, and. The funny thing is that like a couple of years ago I just ran into him at a like at the layers conference and he was really really happy to have a chat with me about like the design process and have a look at my app and and that's been really 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 helpful as well. Huh. Well, this is a person that I didn't know. This <laughs> this little segment has proven to be uh very helpful for me because it's crazy how many people are out there that I've not heard of because they don't happen to be, uh, you know, big in the Twitter sphere at the moment that I started paying attention. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, he was developing this app a few years ago and like, he's not that active on Twitter right now, but he's definitely, his work is definitely something that's worth, worth checking out. And that's Mark Kawano. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. This was this is really exciting. I, your apps have been a, a big like inspiration for me, uh, just because your design sense is kind of incredible and right in my wheelhouse in terms of style. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited. I got to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for inviting me to the show. It's the first podcast that I'm doing. I hope it's, uh, I hope it's all gone. Okay. Yeah, now here comes the terrifying part where we hit stop and uh, and make sure that our recording's actually recorded. So, uh, but I think everything will probably be good. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Chucky C or tweet the show directly at launched.fm. You can also discuss the episode with me, other listeners, and sometimes our guests on our dedicated subreddit, r slash launched.fm. If you like the show, I'd really appreciate a rating or review in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, or whatever your podcast of choice happens to be. And you can find show notes and more at launchedfm.com. <laughs>